like that nothing came out of nothing or, or do you acknowledge and do you know that there is a God? And most, most of them will say like, well, I know there's something, right? And I'll ask them, I'll be like, do you sometimes feel that we, we either do good or sometimes when we do bad, there's something inside of us that feels yucky about it. Like we don't necessarily feel good about that. And they'll admit that they, they feel that. And I'll explain to them how when God sent Jesus, he did that to be able to make us come together again. See, Satan wants us to be divided, right? Jesus, when he was talking at one point, they were kind of accusing him of things, and he says, a house divided will fall. And sometimes I feel like inside of us, we're divided, right? We, the Bible might call it being lukewarm, right? You're not quite hot, and you're not quite cold. You're kind of lukewarm. And I don't drink coffee, but I've heard that lukewarm is not good. And, you know, iced coffee is great, and hot coffee is great, but lukewarm isn't good. And I, the only thing I can equate it to is I drink Coke Zero, and when my can of pop has been sitting out for a while, and you grab it, take a big swig, ugh, it just, you know, even though it's only a couple hours old, it just doesn't taste that good. And so people sometimes feel divided when they know, okay, God is real, I love him, I want to be able to talk to him, I want to be able to go and be with him, but I feel like I am not worthy or that there's something wrong. And so because God loves us, we're able to pray and know that it's not about us. It's not about what we did that week. It's not what we did that day. It's about what Christ did. So as we continue kind of with this series, it's been called Revival. I don't know if many of you had seen, but the university at Ashbury in Kentucky had what they call a revival, right? The, the place filled up. One of the young men had, had talked about some of the things going on in his life and how he just needed to be real. And they began worshiping, and they didn't stop. Like, it went on and on for about two weeks. Like, it just never ended. I was reading some of the articles about how they were able to continue doing that. They had different churches in the area, different Christians and a lot of the university kids, they would have like a worship band. And so they had a certain area, kind of staging area, kind of outside of the sanctuary where there would be somebody playing worship. They played worship 24 hours nonstop. They had all these people coming. And so there was one or two of these young people that were just like prayer warriors, like maybe 20 years old, 21 years old. And they would just pray and pray and pray. And they would invite any of the worship leaders and worship bands and just say, just pray. And every once in a while, they would get up, and they would look around. And wherever the Holy Spirit just kind of made them feel like, okay, they're next, they would call them over. They would say, hey, you guys, you guys, come here. Everybody with your worship band, you come here. And they'd put them in the middle, and these three or four of them would pray over them. And then they would say, okay, when they're done with this song, we're transitioning, and now you guys are going to go out and play. And then that worship team would leave. And then this just continued on and on for weeks. And finally, the university officials said, okay, we need to have some sort of order because we've got kids that need to be in college and all this stuff. So they said, we're just going to have two services. They had a morning service and an evening service. And one of them was just for the young people that were at the university. I think that might have been the morning service because they had classes going on. But the evening service was open to the public. Their first evening service they had open to the public, there were thousands and thousands of people that showed up to go in there. 
Now, what was happening in there that would make the kids not want to leave for two weeks? I mean, sometimes it's hard to get somebody to come to church, right? Let alone stay there and just, you know, just want to be in that presence. Well, what we call revival is you're bringing something, you're reviving it back to fullness of life. We don't realize it, but sometimes we walk around and we're not full of the life that God intended for us to have. I mean, I love John 10, 10. That's why it's on the wall, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A lot of us have life, but we don't know what the fullness of God's Holy Spirit and his love is for us because maybe we haven't really experienced it. And when you walk into a place that is experiencing what they call revival, what you're really experiencing is the Holy Spirit of God. The presence of God has become so thick in that place that it's no longer his presence in each individual. You can walk into this place, and I might have my eyes closed, and I might be, like, talking to God, and I'm, like, not here right now. And his presence is on me and in me, and I'm just, I'm just in a different place, right? But that might not be a corporate presence where everybody is feeling that. And so we see in the Bible where there has been times in the Bible where the Holy Spirit will indwell a person and would be with an individual, and they would be able to feel God's presence and pray, and, and the Holy Spirit, I'm going to talk in a minute about what's the whole point, why would you want to have that, but there's also recordings in the Word, and we've seen in the U.S. and around the world when they've had revivals where God's presence comes in and it's no longer just for each individual. It's there in a physical place. And if you walk into it and you're in it, you feel it even if you don't want it. There have been stories when um, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth, he was an evangelist um, in the oh, about 50 to 100 years ago, and he would go, and they would set up a tent, and he would begin to preach, and the Holy Spirit would become so thick upon that place that there are accounts of police officers picking up somebody maybe who was drunk or pick up somebody who was robbed, and they're like, let's just take them to the revival, and they would just get the car close enough, and the person would sober up. There is one account I was reading through, the one book about a woman who, whose son had some sort of disfigurement on his face. I'm not sure if he had, like, an aneurysm or had had a stroke as a kid or what, what exactly had happened. But, and she had in her head, if I can just get my son underneath that tent, he will be healed. And she drove hours and hours and hours because she knew this guy had one night left in that particular town. And she got there, and it, because of her drive, the service was almost done, and the man was about to leave. And she went from the back of the tent, and she walked all the way up to the front. And she was waiting and waiting. He started to leave. The minister did out the back of the tent. And she grabbed hold of his sleeve, and she jerked on him. And she says, you can't leave yet. You have to pray for my son, please. I've driven however many hours to get here. And he says, okay, okay. And he turns around, he kneels down, he's looking at the boy, and he's like, okay, well, what's his name? And she tells him his name. She goes, he goes, what's wrong with him? And she goes, what do you mean what's wrong with him? Just take a look at him. And he said, I'm looking at him. I don't see anything wrong with him. What's wrong with him? And she looks down, and everything was made whole again. Everything was healed. Everything was totally back to normal. And he said to her, what, what were you praying for? What were you thinking? And she said that if I got underneath this tent, he would be healed. See, God's presence was so thick in that place that she didn't actually need 
the minister to lay hands on that little boy and pray for healing. She just needed to get him under that tent, into that presence. And so they have felt that down in Ashbury, and that's why they had thousands waiting to get in. Because sometimes in our lives, we might go and read our word and pray and turn on worship music and just say, Lord, I just want to feel your presence. I just want to be with you. We might feel that peace. We might feel that joy. But sometimes when we get into corporate worship, when his worship is so thick, it's upon a place that it feels just different. You're not doing that alone. Now, okay, Mary, why would you want to do that? Well, not all of us do. Think about it. When Taylor Swift comes to town, every single one of those people that paid what, five, six, seven thousand, no, hundreds of dollars to go see her in concert, why don't they go home in their bedroom and crank her CD? Well, you guys don't listen to CDs anymore. Her, your, whatever, the track on your phone. Because it's not the same as being in that concert, right? It's different. There is something different about watching the football game at home and watching the football game at the stadium. And so when we come together, we have lots of different things that we need to do as, as a Christian body, as a church. There's times when we need to take communion and remember what he did. There's sometimes there we need to be taught what does it mean to tithe? What does it mean to make um, a, a contribution? What did the parables mean? What was Jesus talking about? And then there's a time for us to not just know God, but to experience God. And that is what God does for us with that Holy Spirit. We talked about this last week, but I'm going to just go there again. We know that sometimes we know people just by their name. We know who they are, right? If you, you right now, you know I'm Mary and that I'm a female and I live in the Bay City area. And that might be all you know about me. But some of you might know me as Pastor Mary and maybe you've come up to me before and you've gotten prayed for and, and, and you know how to get a hold of me and I've maybe been to your house for dinner or have gone to the hospital and prayed with you. But there's a couple people in this place that know me as mom. And that's a totally different relationship, right? Where they know me as mom, they get a hug good night. Not always, but if I'm around, I give them a hug good night. They're too, getting too old for me to be tucking them in. But my point is, they know me on a totally different level than the people who know me as Pastor Mary. On a totally different level as the people who just know me as Mary. But I'm the same person for all three experiences. See, God has different levels and layers of our, his experiences with all of us. We know that God came down in human form as Jesus. Right? God is so complex, he tries to help us understand there's Father, there's Son, there's Holy Spirit. Son Jesus comes down, and we can call on his name and be saved, and that's the basic level. And some of us, that's all we'll ever, as deep as we'll go, we'll be confident that we're saved. We will still experience life sometimes without peace, but we have confidence that when we die, we're going to go to heaven. But some of us have read the word and we have understood that Jesus said, look, because of what I'm doing, I'm going to go and you can pray now to the Father in my name. And no matter what you ask for, he's going to hear you directly. I'm not going to ask on your behalf. He's going to hear you. And that's why when the disciples said, how do we pray? He said, pray our Father. Because up until that point, they, they believed and they knew he's the Son of God. And it's 
Jehovah, Yahweh, is his father. Now he's trying to explain to him, because of what I'm doing, you now are able to say our father. He's your father too. You can address him more in an intimate way as father. So we, so we know Jesus. For some of us, we get a little bit deeper, and now we can communicate to the Father, right? So there's these different levels, right? If we call upon the name of Jesus, that's the first level we're saved. If we begin to pray to the Father in the name of Jesus, now we're in a one-way relationship. We're able to tell him our needs directly. And Jesus made it very clear. Ask, seek, knock. Why is it God helping me? Well, did you ask him? Well, he should know. Well, I know you need $1,000, but you haven't asked me for it. So, you know, and I'm not going to just give it to you. God is a gentleman. He doesn't just do whatever he thinks you need done. If he did that, some of us would never eat a Snickers bar. I mean, seriously, we have free will. We can do what we want to do. But when we ask him, that's exuding our faith, where it says have faith in God. Well, what does that mean? When you have faith that somebody can do something, you ask them, right? If I had a car accident, I would have absolutely no faith in Pastor John to fix my car. No offense, but I would not ask him to fix my car, right? But I would ask Jason. Why? Because I have faith that you could do that. So when we ask God, we're showing that we have faith in him, that we know that he is real, that he loves us, that he can do it. So we can be level one where we're saved. We can be level two where we're saved and we can talk to God and have faith and expect that he's helping us. But level three then is experiencing God. And that's through inviting the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives, to be able to feel his presence. And now it's no longer a one-way relationship. If all you ever get to is praying to the Father in the name of Jesus and your relationship is one-sided, that's okay. I, want, I would much rather you be able to talk to the Father and experience that one-sided relationship than no relationship at all. Because at least you're having some faith and at least you're having some hope that he's hearing you and he's helping you. Because he is. But a two-way relationship is way better. Now, I would think that you all understand that. Because sometimes we have friends or loved ones and, you know, it's like you call them all the time, and, and maybe you get them birthday presents, but they never get you anything, and that just feels yucky after a while, doesn't it? I mean, a two-way relationship where somebody's responding back to you, that's much better. Now, how does having a relationship with the Holy Spirit mean two-way? Well, when his presence is in us, he guides us. He talks back because his spirit is in us, and we're able to feel him, sense him. We're able to understand. And most of us have a basic level of God's presence in you when you accept Christ. And here in America, we have it called your gut intuition, right? Your, um, you know, it's, it's just like, I got to go with my gut. I'm just not feeling good about that, right? That's a level of the Holy Spirit being in you, and it's discernment. But when you invite him in, they, they call it being baptized. Many of you have been baptized in water, and you know that means getting fully submerged in the water and you come up wet. Now, when you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, it means I know there's some of God's Spirit in me because I believe in Jesus, and, and I can feel, you know, good or bad about decisions, and, and I, you know, hopefully acknowledge that's probably God. But when you're baptized, it means you're, like, willingly saying, I want your Spirit to be on every part of me. 
and I want your presence to be with me. And I acknowledge, again, that's part of that faith, I acknowledge that your spirit is with me. Now, some people don't understand the whole spirit thing. They're like, eh, Mary. Well, have you ever felt evil? I have felt evil. I have been in places where um, you, can just, you can just feel evil. What kind of spirits are out there? I mean, there's the spirit of death. There's the spirit of rage. There's a spirit um, of depression sometimes or suicide that will try to come on people. There's a spirit of lust. I remember one time, you know, well, Brady, how old is he? One time I was on a plane. <laughs> You'll be all right? Okay. One time I was on a plane ride, and uh, the guy next to me, oh, my gosh, talk about the spirit of lust. Uh, you know, all he wanted to talk about was the people he had been with, and, you know, and, and his, what was ironic, what was weird to me, was his son was with him. He was an adult son, but still the things he was talking about, I'm just like, you know, and it, he found out I was a minister is why. <laughs> He's probably like, why are you having this conversation with this guy? He found out I was a pastor, and then so sometimes people begin, like, confessing sins, and, well, you know, this, and this is why, and, and, and it wasn't just the conversation. You could feel it. Now, I'm not afraid if somebody else has an evil spirit. Why? Because I'm so filled with the Holy Spirit, they're not hopping onto me. Plus, right, you, that's something you invite in. You invite the Spirit into you. Now, sometimes, right, we get ourselves in situations, like a lot of young people, they have used Ouija boards. They don't realize that, you know, they might have done that 25 years ago, but you're inviting a moment with an evil spirit into your life. I've had adults come to me and say, hey, I did this when I was younger. I want you to pray over me. And let's, if there was anything that came on me, I want it gone. And I have had, they call it deliverance when you're delivered from something. But really, what is it? It's just telling things you don't want to go. We do that in our regular homes. We go bag it all up. We put it in the trash can. We just sometimes don't clean up our home here. And so we know that there is evil spirits Sometimes it's, you know, people lie for no reason. Now, again, just because you've had a moment of lust or just because you've told a lie doesn't mean you have an evil spirit of lying or an evil spirit of lust on you. It's when it becomes controlling you or it's influencing you, it's whispering in your ear, it's, you're, you're engaging in that continually. That's when it becomes more than just humanity telling a lie and it becomes... I'm now being chronically tormented by this evil spirit to do something that I know is wrong or I don't want to do anymore or is beginning to bring bad things into my life because this has become excessive. That's when something evil becomes something really bad and that you, I don't want to be delivered with that, right? I want that trash to go out. I don't want that anymore. Now, the Holy Spirit... It's interesting because when we talk about evil spirits, we can talk about all these different types of things that will come on you. But, and then we go over to God, and it's just, it's just the Holy Spirit. And I always found that interesting. It's like, well, why isn't it this type of spirit and this type of spirit and this type of spirit? Because God is love. And when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you should be feeling God's love, and it becomes so overwhelming that... When you walk in the love of Christ and you feel his love and you love him back and you begin to mature and develop and learn how to love people around you, even if they're unlovable, 
all of a sudden, fruits begin to come out of your life. And I know that sounds weird, but that is, there isn't multiple ways God interacts with us. There's one way, and it's love. And because we walk in love, there's fruits called gentleness, right? There's all these different things, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We're now, I'm not controlled by a spirit of self-control. I'm controlled by love, and because I love, I'm going to be self-controlled and wait before I eat the cupcake. That was really good, right? And all of a sudden, it's love that helps me be kind and gentle to someone who doesn't deserve it or somebody I don't want to spend time with. It's love that begins to influence my actions, and the consequences of me walking that way become evident in my life. So we see here where in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would fall on certain people once in a while. And when it would happen, power came down from God, and people would see it, and they would know, okay, this is a prophet, and, and God's Spirit is on him. And when Jesus came, that's why the, the Pharisees, the religious people who never believed he was Messiah, they believed he was from God. We see Nicodemus saying, we know you are from God. No one else could do the miracles you're doing. They knew he was filled with God's spirit. They just didn't realize that it was God himself coming down to see it through and to give us his spirit. We see here in John chapter 16, verse 13. So, right, Jesus is talking, and he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Now, why would Jesus saying that? I mean, by the time you're in John chapter 16, this is the night he's going to the cross, and he's trying to tell the disciples some things. And we know that he had told them numerous times that when I go, I'm going to send to you the spirit of God, my spirit, right? And that spirit is going to be in you, and you will be guided. You will be told the truth. You will be able to feel the presence of God. And so when you have moments where it's like, what do I do? You can, in your head, right in that moment, just say, God, what do I do? And his spirit and his presence is right there with you. And you will feel confident in times of struggle, and you will be able to know how to move forward. We see at the end of Luke, well, it's not the end, but in Luke chapter 13, when Jesus was explaining to them about praying, and he said, which of you fathers, even though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your sons and your children, right? How much more? Does God the Father want to give you the Holy Spirit if you ask? What is he saying? He's saying when you pray and you want an answer and you want a relationship and you want to know, just invite the Holy Spirit in. How do we pray? Invite the Holy Spirit in. I mean, that's basically how he, he summed it all up. He gave us some outline, but it says, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So in the book of Acts, we see where they prayed, they all came together, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Now, they call this, this was the day of Pentecost. Um, Pentecost actually means like 50, 
it's, it was like 50 days after the Passover. It was a day they'd have a, have a celebration. And it became to mean something different, though, for the Christians. It was the day that when they prayed and asked, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And it, the, again, it was so strong that they didn't even know what to do. So they went out into the streets, and the people in that town were like, they must be drunk because they were just, you know, they were just, just so full of joy and so full of love and, and just, you know, just so full of the Holy Spirit. And they're like, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. We haven't even been up long enough to get drunk. Uh, they probably didn't have shots of vodka. I mean, I'm sure some people can be drunk by 9 a.m., but back then they were like, it's very clear, we haven't been drinking like that. I'm just being real. I mean, I'm sure some of you are thinking, oh, maybe. But. And so they said, this is God's spirit. This is what was promised. We see in Joel how it was promised. And, and Paul quotes it in verses 17 of chapter 2. And he says, in the last day, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. It's interesting, though, because if we are satisfied we're going to heaven when we die, and we feel as though overall we're a good person, and we leave it at that, we can get through life. We can probably get through life pretty good, especially here in America. Why go deeper? Why have this experience? Why even ask God, okay, hey, lady preacher saying that your presence is out there. Go ahead and give it to me. And when I remember, right, I will ask you how to do things. Why go deeper in a relationship? You don't have to. You have to want to. That's why the spirit fell so strong in Ashbury, because those kids wanted it. I guess they had just had a sermon. They had a guest speaker come in, and he had preached to them, and I, I don't know his outline. I don't know exactly what he preached. But I did read that when he left there, he thought, man, that was horrible. When his wife said, how did it go? And he said, oh, it was a stinker, right? Like, I thought I was sharing with them something really good out of the word, but nobody really reacted. And I, I don't know. I just feel like it was, I shouldn't have preached that. And it was like the next service when the Holy Spirit just fell on them. Why? Because he gave them something so amazing that they began to think about it. They began to let that grow inside of their heart so that the next time they gathered, they desired it and they asked for it and God's presence came down upon them. But it felt like a stinker to him. You know why? I remember Joyce Meyer talking about this. She, she, you know, will get the crowd excited, you know, and sometimes she's preaching the word and people say, amen, amen, preach it, sister, right? And there'll be times when she's saying something and she thinks, man, this is something really good. Why aren't they saying amen? Why aren't they saying, yes, that's right. Why are they so quiet? She asked her husband one day, and I thought this was really interesting. He's a really wise guy, meaning wise, not a wise guy. And he said, Joyce, when people agree and know what you're saying, they've heard it before, they, they yell out, yeah, amen. Yep, I've heard that before. That's right. That's correct. He goes, when people are learning something new, they're quiet because they're taking it in. And the reason why when that minister shared with them, he felt like it was a stinker is because those kids were so quiet. It was something, for whatever reason, it was hitting them in a different way. 
And they began to desire to that presence of the Holy Spirit. They wanted his presence to come in. Maybe they have experienced life, and it's not always what we hope it will be, right? We Sometimes we think, like, okay, we're going to grow up, and everything's going to be perfect, and, and, and the reason why I'm miserable now is because I'm at home. My parents are telling me what to do. One day I'll have my own apartment, and then everything will be great, right? And you go in your own apartment, and things aren't always great. Well, but if I got this job, then everything will be great. And then you work hard, and you get that job, and things still sometimes aren't always great. What is going on? You're living life. You're, you're putting hope in circumstantial things that will make your life greater, rather than saying, all right, God, I need your presence to be on me so that I can have joy no matter what's going on, no matter what job I have, no matter, not that you shouldn't have goals, but... Your hope and strength should not come from the things of this world. What does that mean? If you pin all of your joy on your job and tomorrow you get laid off, right? That is a circumstantial thing. And now all of a sudden you're going to be joyless until you can think of some other way here on earth to help you. But if your joy and your strength comes from the Lord, then it doesn't matter what job you have. And so when we invite that Holy Spirit to be in us, to be on us, be around us, to be over us, to follow us home in our car, to be at our house, to be in our bedroom, to be with us all the time. We're saying that no matter where I go, no matter what is going on, I have a source of joy. Now, we don't always tap into that. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit and, you know, go to a bar one night and drink all night and tell horrible stories to people and go home, does that mean that, you know, you're not a Christian anymore and something bad has happened? No, but you might not feel good about what you did. You might have some conviction on your heart. You might be like, man, why did I do that? And But the Holy Spirit might help you examine your life and show you, like, hey, your cousin Roger came into town, and you and him, that was all you did, and you felt influenced, and you went and did that. Next time, if you don't feel good about this and you don't like how you acted and what you did, Next time when Roger comes in, say, let's not go to the bar, right? Let's go somewhere else where it doesn't serve alcohol and be bold enough to tell that to Cousin Roger or whatever, right? Now, what I want us to know, I feel like we're still at this basic level. I want you guys to understand this. And Pastor John's going to come up, and we're going to end with this song, and I really love this song. And if you guys have Apple Music or Amazon Music or Spotify or whatever, you probably could find this song. And if you're like me, you could put it in a playlist and you could play it every once in a while when maybe you're having a hard time. And what is the actual name of the song? Just Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit. I think Jesus Culture plays it, Carrie Job, whatever version you like, you could listen to it. Um, but what I really want you to know is if your interpretation of your time with God is fear and shame you've been deceived by Satan somehow along the way whoever introduced you to God didn't know the God I serve your experience with God should be love it should be mercy it should be compassion it should be forgiveness so when you have moments and you're standing there and you just feel like man I screwed up God help me all you feel it's going to be okay. I love you. I am with you. I always 
tell people, God is bigger than your mistakes. God is bigger than your mistakes. He's bigger than my mistakes. And he loves us and wants to be with us no matter what. They're going to play for a little bit, and then I'm going to come back up here and pray for all of you. And I just really pray that, maybe not today, but at some point when you're ready, invite the Holy Spirit to be in your life in a deeper, greater way, because that is then experiencing God. It's not just knowing Him. It's not just talking to Him, but it's experiencing Him. presence, want to experience it, want to experience it again, and we're going to just stand up at the altar and just, even if we don't even sing it, we just sit here in his presence, but we come expecting that we're going to feel something, we're going to know that he is with us. Now, don't let this scare you off and say, I'm not coming next week, because <laughs> I tell you what, it's going to be worth it, it's going to if you just come up and you're just with a corporate group, it's like I said, it's just like going to a concert for something secular, right? You go to hear a music concert and you come together with the people. Sometimes just the excitement of everybody around you becomes contagious. It becomes exciting. See, church. 
college kids didn't want to leave for two weeks because it was so good. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to worship you. I just pray that you're with everybody this week. Help them, guide them. Draw in those that you want here next week. If they got commitments, Father God, let things work out so that they can make it. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Y'all have a wonderful week. The, the blessing shop will be open. And I'm here if anybody does want prayer for anything specific. So God bless.